Crossing the Nerdverse, bringing you yet another Notables in the Nerdverse. My name is Travis. Joined with me, as always, are my fantastic co-hosts, Eric and Ryan. Ryan, how you been this week? Oh, man, it has been a crazy week. I won't get into the specifics, but I just feel absolutely run ragged. It's like everything that can go wrong is going wrong. But it's been a pretty big week uh, in the Nerdverse. Got lots of stuff to talk about here on the decks, so excited gonna be a packed episode eric what about you how was your week oh it was interesting new job getting to learn some new things it it was interesting also finally caught up on my hero got to see all the way to the end uh the the whole deku vigilante thing definitely under underused that could have been a lot better i think um they wanted to kind of keep it more of a happy tone maybe Uh, i'm not too sure uh, I have to read the mangas to see what they did in the mangas with it, because I heard it was a lot longer, but we'll, we'll see. But other than that, yeah, not not too much. What about you, Travis? Well, I jammed on the uh, Diablo 4 open beta uh, over the weekend. Fantastic beta, by the way. Uh, anybody that didn't get in on that that's a Diablo fan, you missed out. Pretty smooth running. They have some things that are going to need to fix. Obviously, a lot of balancing issues that are going to need to be addressed as the game goes on. Mechanically speaking, as far as character functionality, everything was great. Came in and out of the worlds. Queue times were a little long until they opened up some additional servers. But again, that's to be expected. It was a beta. They're stress testing everything. Uh, Saw an article where that was the most successful beta in Diablo history, which again, I'm not surprised. Gaming has become very widespread, so... Played it. Uh, that got me into the Diablo bug. So now I'm running through. I think they're on season 28 of Diablo 3. So finally getting to play a Crusader for a uh, a run through a seasonal. So really enjoying it. Other than that, man, it's been good. Got got back into my painting. Not that you guys are going to be able to see it because we're not doing video on this one. I was pointing to my co-host. I've got my modeling station set up behind me. So going to crank out some some models here soon get them finished up put in the display case about the diablo beta did you see that there's one guy that like went all the way soloed through soloed the big last boss or whatever almost the beta? almost soloed the big last boss i thought he, uh, oh i thought he character. did I'm... no somebody he was he was soloing it and i think within the last few like seconds or towards the end tail end of the battle uh necromancer came in with his little skeletal army and and brought in some assistance but it yeah that rogue again balancing issues that's what these betas are for at least they're doing a true beta and not like pre-release style beta where it's like two weeks before the game and then the game comes out all broken as shit uh i think it was a really good job like i said there was a few issues i had entering and exiting towns was kind of a big one every once in a while i would just get kind of locked and would have to fast travel to free up my character but again nothing outrageous like so eric lead us off what do we got for notables this week 
All right, so the big one for me is going to be the E3. We did a big thing about indie gaming and stuff, and I think we all kind of agreed that we thought E3 was going to be a great way for indie games this year to kind of get their name out there with all the big names pulling out. So with them canceling it, it's kind of weird. I got to say, I'm not shocked. I made the comment when we were talking about E3 last time on the podcast that it's dying, and here it is, 2023 E3 canceled. I'm not, honestly, not that surprised. Yeah, and we were seeing a lot of the major names have started pulling out and doing their own kind of exposés. And and I agreed that uh, it might form a decent platform for the indie game scene to be able to get their games showed and that kind of thing, especially without having to be overshadowed by, you know, Sega and, and Bungie and all these other these massive companies. And I, I remember Travis talking about that. So I'm also, I'm not surprised, but I will admit that I'm very disappointed that the indie game scene isn't going to be able to have that platform to work off of. At the end of the day, again, everything fueled by the mighty dollar. If E3 is not going to be bringing in these big guest spots to boost attendance, it costs a lot of money to rent out the space that they were going to rent out to put up a venue that way. I'm not surprised if they're not going to have those big draws there anymore come into it. Yeah, I mean... I'm I'm also, I mean, you kind of saw it coming a little bit. Things were very vague. There was no, like, big show up. Like, usually you get to see some, some little clips ahead of time and stuff like that. So there was nothing big leading up to it. But the reason I'm surprised is because I figured they would at least take a hit this year. Negative. You know what I mean? Like, going, going to the, the neg- negatives just to make sure um, next year they've got a better idea of what to do to make it better. So I honestly, and the way that they were promoting the like networking part of it, I thought it would, you know, it would still, it would still get off the ground. I didn't think it was going to be anything special or anything fancy like previous years. Um, I had no expectations of that, especially once I think the last one about was like Ubisoft. Once you started seeing that, it's just, you knew it was downhill. I thought it was Sega was the last one that backed out. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, Ubisoft did right before, and then yeah, Sega. Sega was the last one to to back out. So I mean, you knew it was going to be a low key event, but I figured they'd still do something, to, even just to show the gaming world that they're still there. So maybe next year some people would come back. So by not doing anything, I have no faith in the fact that E three will ever come back. Now, I don't think it's happening ever again. Yeah, it's interesting to see them try to walk that tightrope, right? Because if they don't do anything, they'll save a lot of money and they can kind of minimize their losses. But at the same time, they're not encouraging anybody to try to get those slots again next year. And I don't know, I'm not intimately familiar with how all that works and how the finances work with a big event like that. But it does seem like it wouldn't have been an easy decision to come to. And I think I agree. I think we might be looking at the uh, the death throes of the E3. With every major gaming studio and platform for that matter putting on their own individual showcases now it's not surprising that e3 really lost out i don't think there's anything that e3 was going to be able to do to bring these people back in microsoft does their own big announcement with all of the gaming you know companies that they're a part of bungie does their own thing activision blizzard you know even with this merger pending does their own thing. PlayStation was doing their own thing. 
if they can get the same amount of attendance, they don't have to compete for the good time slots during E3. They can schedule their own event whenever they want to. They can showcase whatever they feel like showcasing, which honestly gives them a wider array to display their products or things that they're working on, right? I just don't see how E3 was going to be able to do anything to draw those big names back to get the attendance boosted up. Don't get me wrong, the networking for indie game studios is fantastic. I'm not against that idea, and I hope something like that comes about. I just don't see how E3 was ever going to be able to draw those people in, especially as soon as Microsoft pulled the plug and said they were going to do their own showcase by themselves. Like, what do you do? See, E3, though, has one selling point, and we'll we'll always have it. If you can bring everybody together and pull what they used to pull for numbers, it's much more beneficial for those companies like Sony and Microsoft to not have to spend the money to hold their own events and just go to a competitor's event, in a sense, a competitor's event. But they just do they just do a live stream like they do a small venue that's cheaper. It's not this huge thing that E3 was. So a smaller, cheaper venue, fewer tickets like to deal with coordination and event planning. And then they stream it online. The majority of E3's attendance the last several years has all been online views anyway. Again, if I can live stream my own event, why am I going to pay big money to E3 to get showcased when I can just do it myself for a lower dollar and I get to spend more time showcasing my product? Because you bring in competition. So everyone that goes to E3 is there for all the companies. So Sony would get people that are Microsoft fans in their booths. Just naturally, you would just gravitate at some point while you're you're walking around. Any sort of big event like that makes everybody better because everybody sees what everybody's doing. Yes, Sony kind of obviously probably pays attention to Microsoft. Microsoft pays attention to Sony. But when you actually have to go to an event and compete in a sense with another studio, competition brings out the best in everybody. Um, and on top of that, the fact that it saves everybody money, it would be huge. Now, obviously, it's not e- coming back. E3 doesn't so. save them money. It doesn't. It would. They're spending they're spending the same amount of money to do a full showcase of their own games that they would then have to do at E3. It makes no sense when I can display all of my product and time slots that I choose at a venue that I pick, as opposed to having to go to E3 to set up a booth to draw crowd interaction. When my online viewership between Sony, Microsoft, Sega, all these other you know Square Enix, whoever that does their own online showcase it makes no sense for them to go to e3 because they're doing it with the same amount of viewership as they were getting before they're getting the same amount of interaction those people that go to the sony booth at e3 or whatever are going to watch sony and microsoft's displays online the same so you're getting you're getting the same amount of crossover i really don't see what the draw would be for e3 unless you can just guarantee me a massive uptick in sales of some kind. Well, that's as a that's company, what I'm saying. Why? Why spend all that? No, extra no. Money? There's no point right now. But that's why I thought E3 this year would take the hit to show that they could still put on a good event and try to start drawing some people back. Because E3, like before COVID, I mean, it, it was it was the thing to it was the thing to do. I mean. Oh, I think I'm, it could have been again at some point, but not anymore. It's done now. Yeah, I'm not going to disagree with you on that. COVID was definitely a nail in the coffin because, again, that was when everybody really started to push their own 
release platforms. They proved that all of it could be handled digitally. They didn't need to go to this event. Um, so the kind of the you know the curtain was pulled aside, so to speak, on E3. I I would love to see some type of indie development like E3 come about. I'd be 100% behind it. I just don't see any of these big guys coming back, and I really don't see E3 ever being a thing again. No, this was the nail in the coffin. And what makes it a little bit a little bit worse, I think, is that the other things that were going to be going around that were going to be going on around the event are still happening. So, like, um, I think that some of the Summer Game Fest um, and a couple of the other showcases are still going to be happening. Um, it's just E3 that is, that is no longer going to be happening in that time frame. So it's, yeah, it's, it sucks. I mean, but I don't know. There goes my youth, my childhood. My, my childhood is destroyed. It's the Mark Calloway thing all over again. He's <laughs> I no never got be- to go to E3. Yeah, he's no longer being called The Undertaker. My childhood has been officially shattered. All right, what do you got next for us, Eric? Um, so the next thing with me is probably the the Lord of the Rings. It looks like they're they're going to be releasing another trilogy, sort of like in the sense of like Star Wars. Um, but supposedly they're they're going to do a little bit different than than Star Wars in a sense, and they're gonna they're gonna try to um, improve on their story and stuff like that. Like they're not, they're, and they're also going to try to do justice to like previous characters from what I from what I was reading. So they're going to respect canon stuff like that. It's not going to be wild, wildly crazy. Um, there's going to be Give supposedly there's going to be a bunch of different directors, um, which is going to be a perk. Give me a whole movie with Sam being wholesome with his family, <laughs> right? Like just them going to the park and having a picnic. By far my favorite character from the Lord of the Rings trilogy, Samwise Gamgee, true hero. Well, and it's interesting to me to hear that they're going to be doing a whole nother trilogy because when you think about the fandoms as a whole, the Lord of the Rings fandom is a very particular fandom. People spend a great deal of time and effort learning the ins outs and particulars of that fandom. And while all the movies they've released so far have been successful, the Hobbit trilogy and the liberties that they took with that storytelling were not well received by the fans. And so I hope they do well with this one. Those were super. Those were super entertaining movies though. Like I gotta say, I'm a huge I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan. I've read those books probably close to a hundred times a piece. I have watched all the films several times. It's entertaining. Did it follow the story? No. Did they cut out some characters that I absolutely adored? Again, time constraints, story wise, yes, they had to move stuff here and there. I get it. I still was entertained. I had a good time. Give me more Tolkien. Yeah, well and I I take it very much like Star Wars. And we know that Star Wars fans get real particular with their stuff, but I'm solidly in the boat of more Star Wars is more better. And so I'm excited for the new Lord of the Rings trilogy. There, there's actually an ongoing joke uh, with me and some of my friends on the Hobbit trilogy, because I think it goes something along the lines of, you know, for a movie called The Desolation of Smog, I was expecting more desolation and more smog. And so, <laughs> but I absolutely, I agree. I, I, I love the Hobbit movies. I thought they were very entertaining. My children love them. And so I'm excited for the new trilogy. If to... you look to one sec, if you look at, at Lord of the Rings real quick, it has followed a similar path to Star Wars in a sense, because the original three, well, beloved, amazing. The next three being about um, the Hobbit, not well liked, just like the prequels to Star Wars. Not taken very well. A lot of canon things. A lot of weird things done. And then 
Lord of the Rings didn't have another trilogy come out yet, but they did have the Ring of Power come out, which did not do as well as people thought it did. Um, it was it, it did okay, but it wasn't like something like amazing. Yeah, it wasn't the next Game of Thrones. Um, so right. So if you look at it so far, Lord of the Rings is following the Star Wars path in a sense. Because Star Wars did have a couple TV shows that came out too prior to the the, the movies that weren't very successful, like the uh, why can't I think of them the little creatures Ewoks the Ewoks like the Ewoks show and stuff that came out that wasn't widely loved. So when you're comparing the two, other than the fact that Lord of the Rings has happened more recent, I mean it's it's following kind of kind of similar paths. So it's going to be really interesting what they do with the the next three. Lord of the Rings movies. What's up, Travis? I, I, I mean, I'm excited for him. I thought the Rings of Power was fine. Yeah. It was good to see it. Obviously, they couldn't just copy paste anything that was existing, but it kind of exists between the Silmarillion and then what happened with the Hobbit, right? It's this kind of branching thing. So there's people who are like, ah, like, you know, does it interact completely with the IP? Like, obviously, there's going to be some like different little points. The book is never going to be the movie, right? Even when they do a great job adapting a book to a film, it's not always going to be perfect. All I ask is that they don't do as bad as they did with the Aragon movie, which was an absolute dumpster fire. The other thing I have to mention, I, I told a fib, Sam is not my favorite character in Lord of the Rings. He's my second favorite. Gimli is by far the greatest character in that series <laughs> because he is the great red-bearded dwarf that wields an axe and that just speaks to my tabletop RPG heart. I see Ryan nodding his head over there. I'm currently, for those of you that are interested, playing my ninth iteration of yet Holder Heck of Rockholm. Um, what? <laughs> yeah, it's... Every time I play a dwarf, his name is Viet Holderheck, and he goes in line. I had the, the oh. very first character I ever made was Viet Holderheck, and so anytime I make another dwarf, it's a Holderheck, and he goes in numerical order with the rest. And one last thing on the Star Wars topic before we keep... Or on the uh, Lord of the Rings, sorry. Slightly different series. <laughs> um, <laughs> but... Um, the last thing to add into that before we, we move it on, I guess they are um, definitely collaborating with um, Jackson and then some other main names from the previous stuff. So so there is going to be some continuity from the sounds of it, and they're, they're definitely going to keep on the path with the next three. I'm hoping. I just want to see where the boat goes with Frodo. Like, take me, take me on the boat, maybe. You had a know. weird... Star Wars segue with Lord of the Rings right there, and I thought you were going to announce that there was some sort of lightsaber being introduced to Lord of the Rings, and I was like, not strictly opposed, <laughs> but also several questions. Yeah, absolutely. That would that would be that would be an interesting one to to throw in the uh, lightsaber. I'm sure you can make it work with magic items, though. We all play enough D and D or Pathfinder, <laughs> whatever you play. Yeah, there's right. something. Pinecone grenades are a real thing from Lord of the Rings, by the way. Gandalf made that oh, a yeah. thing. So. All right, guys. Well, I'm going to take the reins right. for a second here. Um, so as you guys know, my job in the uh, the podcast here is to deal with a lot of our physical media fandoms and physical media geekdoms. Um, and so I deal a lot with uh, tabletop RPGs, with miniatures wargaming, with board games. And we have some pretty major news that I want to get to first in the realm of miniatures wargaming. And that is the Adepticon Games Workshops announcements. There were two major ones. One of them is more lore-based, um, and the other one's a major upheaval. 
So first I want to bring up that we officially, in Warhammer 40k, have a second Primarch Awaken. We have an official sculpt and release for Lionel Johnson, the Primarch of the Dark Angels. And I gotta tell you guys, it's a great looking model. I'm I'm absolutely in love with it. It's mid. It's mid. You don't like it? It's okay. I was expecting something way more regal looking like they did with Reboot. Hmm. Reboot. Like I was expecting the Gilliman yeah. with like the big uh, what was his the sort of was a sort of age? What was his sword's I... name? The lion something or something lion? I don't know. I, I was expecting the OG sword, which I realized would not have been canon, but it, I don't know. It, it's fine. I love the fact that they aged him. Yeah. I just think the model's okay. Like I think it's an okay sculpt. Not to take the wind out of your sails no. on that one. Definitely a big it's... announcement. Getting two primers. Well, everybody has a little bit of a different opinion. Um, you know, and you're talking about the Hand of Dominion, the Gladius in Candor, and the Hand of Dominion were his his main armaments. Um, but yeah, I, I I get it. And see, when I look at the story and what they're writing for him, I'm actually really glad they didn't do something like they did with Gilliman, because with Lionel Johnson waking up, firstly, Gilliman was always more of a politician and a strategist in the Horus Heresy. And so him having... Yeah, he was the Empire yeah, Builder. Him having some more grandeur, I think, makes sense. Lionel Johnson was a warrior. Man was a, was a swords master. And I like the fact that in his story, he wakes up and immediately goes on a rampage through the Dark Imperium, uh, fighting every monster he can come across. And so they made him definitely more warrior-centric. And I think his war gear reflects that. He still has the Primark stand. Tracks for his character. Yeah. <laughs> monster Hunter. Yeah. It tracks. And so I like it. I like that. I think it's an absolutely beautiful sculpt. I agree with you. I'm glad they aged him. I'm glad they have him kind of grizzled and, and older. And I think it's, it's absolutely wonderful. And I've, I've never been a dark angels player. I think their lore is interesting, but the lion being awake is a major happening in Warhammer 40 K. And it was at the forefront of the biggest announcement in tabletop miniatures gaming. And that's the fact that we are getting a 10th edition of Warhammer 40k and fans are wildly mixed about it. They have completely overhauled the game from my understanding. The news that we're looking at is that they took the game and they are really just ground up reworking everything. Their headline is simplified but not simple. And from what I've seen, and this is the controversial part, I'm excited about it. Now, a lot of fans are very frustrated, but as somebody that's played pretty extensively through 9th edition, I I feel like it was time for a big reset in 40k. It had gotten extremely convoluted and extremely unbalanced, and all in all, I'm happy about it. Now, there are some key details that fans are upset about that I think I agree with. Most notable is that this new system is not backwards compatible it's not compliant with any of the codexes none of the cards any of it it is all obsolete and so for some of the players that only recently were able to pick up codexes and and playing materials like for demons armies they get kind of left in the dust and they shelled out good money for things that they're only get to get to use for a couple more months does that mean they're gonna have to they're gonna have to mad drop everybody's codex at the same time then if it's not gonna be backwards compatible to the stats? That's like, exactly right, and that's exactly their plan. Either that or, or either that or every Space Marine army is gonna end up exactly the same, which means that if you're running Ultramarines, you're the same as the 
blood angels who are the same as the salamanders yeah. who are the same as the space wolves and i'm not sure if i'm a fan of that well right now i know the plan and what they said was their major move is they're going to be releasing all of the new rules and all of the indexes for the armies all at the same time for free additionally with the rules changes they're making i don't know what their separation is going to be for sub factions similar to the space marine codex chapters like black templars or blood angels i don't know what their plan is for that I know that their big move is going to be releasing everybody's rules all at the same time for free. And they're moving it into a way very similar to what Age of Sigmar did, where instead of having your big codexes and your rules all compiled with your lore and everything else, they're actually releasing contained rule sets. They said their goal was that everybody's army rules should be able to fit on one page and every unit should be able to fit on one index card. And I know they're planning on selling a set of cards very similar to the Age of Sigmar War Scrolls, where you have these cards that have your units on them. So the units in your army, you pull out the cards that you need, and the rest can go into storage or whatever until you paint up the, the new model. And yeah, apparently all of the rules that you need, including all war gear options and stratagem options and everything, will fit on that one index card. I'm apprehensive about that i know the transfer to age of sigmar for warhammer fantasy was a rocky one for our group but as far as fans go it's been a smash hit and a wild success and so i hope they handle it right i'm going to be playing in 10th edition same as i've always progressed and i will be adding my codexes to the giant pile of codexes that i have so I am. You don't. You don't have to keep the old ones, Ryan. You can just get rid of. Oh them. no, I'm keeping them all. They're still full of cool paint jobs and neat stories. So. Yeah, but they're not relevant anymore. You can go ahead and just, just get rid of them. It's okay. So yeah, the rule sets moved on. That is that is the news for the tabletop miniatures gaming. Big news in the Warhammer 40k world. Release of a new edition, and of course, major lore implications with the rise of a second Primarch for the Imperium. I swear, I'm gonna have the amount of money I spend with Games Workshop if I don't get my Primark back soon. <laughs> um, Give me Russ. So sticking with the physical media, we're going to be looking, and physical media is actually an ironic descriptor, as I look at the 2023 D&D Direct releases and recap, upcoming events. Um, so for those of you that don't know, D&D Direct obviously is leading up to their new VTT or virtual tabletop release that they're going to be sistering to the Dungeons and Dragons game. And so they had a big list of events that they kicked off. Um, amongst them are some pretty exciting announcements and news for the Dungeons and Dragons community. Not the least of which, of course, is Dungeons and Dragons Honor Amongst Thieves, which hits the theaters tomorrow. I know a lot of us got a chance to get an early screening of the movie through Amazon Prime. If you happen to be one of the lucky few, please let us know what you thought on Facebook or on Twitter. I'm excited. I'm going to go see it. And so very excited for D Dungeons and Dragons Honor Amongst Thieves. But some of the highlights from the D&D Direct 2023 recap include a new game coming out that is Dungeons and Dragons Minecraft. And from what I understand, the interesting part about this particular collaboration is that they have recreated the Forgotten Realms on a one-to-one -one scale in Minecraft. And even if it's just Toril, that's an amazing amount of work. And so I'm that is a that's a massive amount of work, right? It's massive. That's so much area. And so I'm I'm interested to see what they have coming out. They actually didn't talk about it a whole lot. Supposedly it's going to be a DLC for Minecraft where you can kind of bring it in. 
Um, but they did say that it's going to have a whole set of adventure mechanics, mechanics for spellcasters and clerics, rules for sneaking, and they're including a lot of classic monsters, including displacer beasts, gelatinous cubes, mimics, beholders, the whole nine yards. And they're going to be featuring all of the major stories that took place in the Forgotten Realms during the 5th edition release. And so I'm pretty excited. I'm, I'm optimistic. And truth be told, even if it didn't have any of the extra bells and whistles, somebody recreating Toril on a one-to-one scale in Minecraft blows my mind. Wild. Yeah. Absolutely, Absolutely wild. wild. I guess I'm going to have to make space on my hard drive for Minecraft again. <laughs> Some of the other highlights, Ari Salvador, uh, who we all know is the author for the Jurt novels and Collected Works, is working on a Neverwinter module after finishing up the third book of the Way of the Drow series called Loth's Warrior, which is set to release in August. And so we don't get a lot of big book news. That was one I'm pretty excited about. Uh, I'm a fan of Ari Salvador's, so I'm yeah, looking forward I, to that. I love his stuff. I read I read every new book that he comes out with. Like Even when I tell myself, I'm like, okay, that's enough dritzed. I get the next yeah. one. I always do. I always will, too. I just like the lie to myself at the beginning of it. I'm just like, I'm not going to get it this time. Like, then I run off. It's nice, it. too, because he, he interacts with fans a lot, like on social media and stuff like that. So that's pretty cool thing about that particular author there. And Drizzt's super overpowered. Oh. Cool guy and oh. stuff, but like... I'm not saying he's not. Super crazy. He's 100% got main character syndrome, which is fine. He is the main character. I get it. Y'all ready for this one? Uh, but yeah. It... As of August, when Loth's Warrior releases, it will mark the 35th anniversary of Drift And like 29 <laughs> books? Something like, yeah. something like that? Um, But I him and say... his son are both working on a collaborated effort for Neverwinter. Um, and so for those of you that play it, or those of you that are curious about it, it's free to play MMORPG based in D&D um, with Neverwinter, Menza Baranzin, uh, releasing this year, if I remember correctly. And so I'm excited to see what they do with it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. But primarily, draw, uh, Lost Warrior, the way the Draw series. Very, very excited about that. And lastly, on the D&D section, we have a couple of merch announcements. So... Firstly, our merch yeah. is up. Just to plug yeah, that one Plug more that time. one more time. Um, yeah, for those of you who are interested, Crossing the Nerdverse and our parent brand, Heroes of the Nerdverse, have our merch shop up and running. So go over there, get you some sweet swag, and show your loyalty to... The, the Nerdverse crew here. But the fastest and easiest way to get to it, crossingthenerdverse.com. And we have some sweet magic. Again, we have some sweet magic items in there. We got protective equipment. We got armor. We got potions. We got it all. Stickers. We got stickers. But um, some of the merch that's releasing for Dungeons & Dragons, I'm really excited about, and that is life-size statues. Apparently, they're one-to-one, although I could be wrong about that. Life-size statues for both a mimic and an owlbear cub, which I am, I'm not going to lie, if I had that kind of nerd money to burn, I'd be buying an owlbear cub. That is some some sweet merch. So, that is our Dungeons & Dragons release news, some of the highlights. I encourage you guys, if you get curious about any of these individual releases, check out their recaps. It's worth it. Life-size D&D figures. Oh, there's actually one more. Joe Manganiello has been working for a long time to release the 50th anniversary documentary for Dungeons and Dragons. It's going to cover the full history. Um, for those of you who don't know, Joe Manganiello has been an active D&D supporter for many, many years. He's involved in all of the community projects. He's even got his hand writing several stories, from what I understand, for the universe. 
major thing in the fact that he's heading up the anniversary documentary makes me very optimistic. I'm excited to see it. Encourage you to do the same. Moving on from tabletop RPGs, my first notable topic for the evening is going to be, of course, trading card games. Starting off with Yu-Gi-Oh, which has announced an additional 16 cards will be placed on the ban list for tournament play. Uh, if you would like to see what that list is, uh, gamer rant, or, yeah, GameRant.com has an article up that lists the 16 cards along with their effects and why they're being banned. This is the largest individual ban from a set release in Yu-Gi-Oh! history. It's been a handful of cards here and there throughout its lifetime. This, from what I was reading, was one of the largest single bans from a set release in that particular trading card's history. Moving on from that, we have to talk about the top of the box, all Hasbro, Wizards of the Coast. Of course, I'm speaking about Magic the Gathering. April 24th, we've got a new set release. It is Phyrexia, March of the Machine. And with it is going to be coming some new key mechanics. I believe the mechanics are called, I want to say it was Battle. And I've got it written down here. Battle, Backup, and a couple of others that they're kind of keeping under wraps. Uh, Got this article actually again off of Forbes. They cover a lot of Magic the Gathering which is weird to me, but whatever. <laughs> Wherever we can um, get it, right? Yeah, I always Did thought they... Forbes was like a financial thing, but whatever. Um, so yeah, new mechanics it's probably because out. Hasbro. Essentially, I, I would have to think so, because I mean, they're one of the largest gaming, like individual game-making companies on the planet. It has to be directly released to that. So those are my big, big news, you know, breaking news things for the trading card world. W- one thing to go with your trading card stuff. So after our very first live card pack opening that went awkward, good, crazy, nice on a Tuesday, have to have to state on a on Tuesday. A Tuesday. Um, there's it's important for Ryan to note that it was Tuesday. Yes, um, I, I've gone ahead. I've purchased um, something so we can kind of make it a little bit easier for you guys to see some cards um, when we show them, and, and we'll probably work on some formatting for when we do it. Probably not so many packs. I mean, who really knows? Um, and and next time, definitely direct giveaways. We're not going to ask what anybody wants or anything like that. We're just going to throw some card up, and we're going to be like, we're going to give it away, and this is what you got to do to get it. And we're just going to have some fun with it. But hopefully you enjoyed that first little card opening that we did, and we can continue to do stuff. Like I said, hopefully we can get our hands on maybe some tabletop stuff that we can display on here um, when it first comes out, or maybe get our hands on a video game right when it releases um throw throw some playtime up here for you guys to kind of get a look at it just to kind of plug all that while we're on the topic speaking of video games perfect segue for my next news announcement teenage mutant ninja turtles the last ronin Ronin. i can see eric and ryan both getting excited for that one of my favorite story arcs from tmnt i won't spoil it for those of you that have not read any of those fantastic comics and graphic novel series, so super good. I highly encourage you to go read it very dark. It's much darker than your traditional, more modern Ninja Turtle takes. But if you are the diehards like us, definitely a series worth reading. So Yeah, absolutely. Eric, I know you were excited to, excited to talk about this too. I can see your eyes light up. Well, I read in regards to the game that they're actually going to do some flashback scenes. Ooh. So it sounds like it's going to be mainly 
you're you're gonna play one character the whole time. It's not gonna be like previous ones where you might have like other ones with you. Um, yeah. So that's what it. I don't know if you read the same stuff, Travis, but that's what I got out of it. I'm excited for the flashback stuff because um, that that could be pretty interesting to get in depth. The comics do a little bit, but it'll be nice to see if they flush it out a little more in the video games. Yeah, I'd, you know, I'd be okay with seeing some flashbacks and stuff for it. It's gonna be single player, single character. God of War style from what I was reading to where you yeah. adventure, you go out, you unlock a new weapon, new skill sets, etc, etc. Uh, for those of you that don't know what TMNT The Last Ronin is, it is about, of course, The Last Ronin being a, a fallen samurai warrior. So you're going to be following a single character from the TMNT. Again, not going to spoil anything for you guys that haven't read it or want to play the video game with a set of fresh eyes. That's all I'm going to say in that regard. Well, and it's interesting looking at the last Ronin's release because I am unbelievably excited about this. And when I first heard about it, I my knee-jerk reaction was like, wow, they're actually releasing a mainstream big video game. And I couldn't think of another one that I'd really enjoyed since, I don't know, the mid-90s when I was playing it on Super Nintendo. Like, And so I got to looking at it, and we've had a lot of Ninja Turtles video game releases, including Shredder's Revenge, which released in 2022. None of these have made major waves. Danger of the Ooze released in 2014. There's a whole bunch of them. But this one, I think, is going to be a flagship game. I think this one is going to be fantastic. It is by far my favorite Ninja Turtles storyline. I agree with everything Travis said. If you're even partially interested, grab yourself an omnibus or grab yourself some of the graphic novels. Read it. It is so worth it. And I am... Prepare prepare yourself emotionally. True. It, it, is, not a, it is not a happy-go-lucky tale, but it is so fantastic. In regards to that, I will say Shredder's Revenge. Uh, I picked it up on Game Pass when it was available. Super good. It's very arcadey, side-scroller, jumpy hack-and-slash. It was fun. Find some friends. Go four-player mode. Run around. Oh, there you go. Uh, and play play an arcade game with the homies. Super good. But see, that's what's so interesting about this one. is This is going to be the first game that truly deviates from the regular Ninja Turtle stuff. So that's why it's kind of exciting to see what they'll do with it. I do want to, like, I don't know. I'm nervous, but at the same time, excited. I just, I do want to, I do want to see. It's going to be, it's going to be crazy. All right. So let me jump in here on board games then. Sorry, Travis, do you have something else? No, no, you're good. You're good. Um, So we have a few key moments in board games. A lot of uh, board game geek ratings have been adjusted here recently, but most of them are fairly minor and none of the top dogs have really shifted around. I did want to bring attention to a game that is popping up all over the place, very highly rated from Darrington Press called Till the Last Gasp. Now, I've not played this game myself, but it does look like it's going to be a wild ride. And so I know y'all aren't the biggest board game people ever. This one deviates significantly in the way that it's designed. This They describe it as a dramatic storytelling game about two dueling characters. And so supposedly it's multi-genre and it's got a really complex system of mechanics and it looks really good. And so I wanted to bring everybody's attention to it because they're doing something that I've never seen in a board game before. And that's really have a mechanical system driving a storytelling experience. Um, I can watch Eric die a little bit inside every time I say that. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's supposedly... I mean, maybe a it's little. A, it's a big storytelling event. And so 
that's the big news in the board gaming world right now is this till the last gasp from Darrington Press is getting just rave reviews. And so it's definitely one I plan on picking up and playing. So with that, again, speaking of gaming, I'm going to jump right back into video games. And Destiny 2 and Destiny servers will all be down at the same time. Bungie is releasing a series of balancing patches along with some mid-season patches to basically complete and round out a few issues. So be aware that that will be coming up very soon. Again, just a service outage. They'll put it up on their Twitter again. Uh, if you follow along with uh, Bungie, they're always really good about announcing their service outages. So again, just be on a lookout. They'll give you the announcement, let you know when the servers are going to be down. This is actually one of the few occasions where they shut everything down for both games. Um, the Legacy Edition of Destiny still having active servers, so... All of that's going to be closed down. Won't be able to access the game at all while they do some balancing, some patches, some new weapon releases, etc., etc. And along with that, for those of you that have played it, I moderately enjoyed it. This game did not do great by any means. It was okay. Marvel's Avengers is getting its final balancing patch and free skin for anybody that's still playing. And then they're delisting it. And that's it. That is going to be the last bit of support that this game sees before it gets closeted. It's that's strange for me to hear because the Avengers had a, quite a bit of fanfare on its release and then really wasn't well received by fans. And it's not that old, right? Just a few years. And so it, it's sad yeah. to see it just getting shelved like that. A couple of years, fan reception was not great. Storyline was fine. Like, I enjoyed playing the story missions. I finished most of the campaign, and it was all right. It was not anything really to write home about. I'm not going to sit there and go, ah, oh, this was like just a super like underrated game. It was okay. I had fun. I linked up with my friends a couple of times and ran around as the Incredible Hulk, which is always fun because you can smash things, throw cars, leap really far, which is always fun. I call it the uh, charge-up fast travel system because you can kind of just mash the jump button. I think they were just hoping that because you get to play the characters and it was going to be, it's kind of open worldy, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah. I think they were sort of just hoping that that would drive it and they wouldn't need to worry about it as much as they did. But if you look, how many big games like that failed? I don't mean the IP itself. I mean that style. Um, what was the armor one that failed before that, that eventually got good and still ended? Anthem. That the four different armor. Yeah. An so Anthem, An was, Anthem was horrible was in the beginning. It was mechanically sound. It was just empty. There was just nothing to do after like six hours. Right. So like if you when you look at the big games like that, they, they seem to always take a little while to get off the ground. And it's just surprising to me that Avengers was just never able to truly do it. Well, and I, I don't get why you'd waste an IP like yeah, that. Exactly. And with Anthem, you know, they had they had a lot of hiccups. I know fans were wildly unhappy because they implemented a luck system and a luck stat that had to be really heavily manipulated um and so they're they're really trying to recover from that the one that blows my mind is when you see major ip titles that really just kind of skirt on the surface and fly underneath the radar and i'm going to talk about midnight suns that was a huge build-up lots of fanfare and lots of hype and then it's now it's just kind of coasting it, it's it's one of those things anthem over promised what it was 
by a lot. That was one of the games that I was expecting so much out of it. They had advertised so many different mechanics, like the gameplay trailers that were shown uh, during big events turned out to be absolute bullshit, which was a shame. Because again, mechanically speaking, Anthem was fine. Everything functioned the way it was supposed to function. Interaction was good. No real big game-breaking issues that I ran into. But it was just empty. Like, I was just done with that game after a handful of hours, which was a shame. Marvel, Avengers, kind of the same issue. It was just kind of dead and empty. I think people were expecting something more along the lines of Ultimate Alliance, where you could swap characters actively. You could be in and out. You weren't weren't stuck with a limited cast. And it was like a self-driven story, but also semi-linear. It was open world, but also not all that open world in some instances. So yeah, there was a lot of stuff that was not just completely fleshed out. It felt like they were trying to do too much. And that's what's got me nervous for the new Star Wars that Ubisoft's making. This new open world game that I have not been able to find much about. I'm very nervous because Star Wars is another big IP, just like Avengers. And it's actually got a lot more to it because you expect a lot with a flying simulator and with also regular FPS. So there's a lot more that's going to need to go into that. And with the way game companies are going right now, I'm hoping it's so tight-lipped because they're going to take their time and do it right. But you've had some very successful open-world sandbox-style games. I guess not sandbox, but open-world-style games. Red Dead Redemption being the perfect example. Fantastically done open world game witcher 3 open world self-story driven fantastic game so i see a lot of promise in it i'm not usually the one to be wildly optimistic when it comes to AAA game titles being released but ubisoft stands a pretty solid chance of having this figured out so i'm not gonna you know i'm not gonna abandon it uh, they do have a history of making well-received open world games the assassin's creed series being one of them yeah and with with marvel I think a lot of it has to do with, and I think you hit the nail on the head, they promised more than they delivered. You look at a lot of the indie game scene right now, there are several games that are advertising the fact they're three-hour experiences, six-hour experiences. You know, these sub-20-hour content games that are doing very, very well and are very popular, becoming cult classics. And when you have... And they're like 20 yeah. bucks. And when you have a major release title like Anthem, like Marvel's Avengers you're expecting a lot more out of that IP and a lot more to do. And when you compare it to other world games, DC Universe Online has been running, I think, since 2010, so 13 years old. And it's still a fantastic game, still a thriving community. And so they they had they had the, 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 the goose that laid the golden eggs and just couldn't deliver on it. I think with that, that wraps me up on video game news. I will get into wrestling. This one episode is actually going to come out right after the close of WrestleMania. So not going to do too much on what's happening on the card. Obviously, go watch it this week. You know, go back and watch it if you have Peacock. It will be released Monday, so you can watch the full experience where you can pause it at your leisure. I will be watching it live both Saturday and Sunday. I'm going to have it running. I have to see Cody Rhodes complete his father's dream and get that wwe title i know it's gonna happen 
Eric's shaking his head like Roman Reigns is somehow going to defend. Roman Reigns has been seeking a way out to take a break from WWE for a long time. The man has survived two very serious bouts with cancer. If he wants to take a vacation and drop the belts to somebody, WrestleMania 39 is going to be the place to do it. He's held those belts since like 2020, 2021, something like that. So perfect opportunity to drop them. Triple H has been itching to split the belts anyway. And hopefully we're going to get a new belt design and get away from the big gigantic W because those belts are just boring. Do you really think, though, that he's going to be the one that they want to carry it? Yes, uh, 100%. All the buildup, there's an outside chance that Roman is going to retain But again, he's been kind of trying to push for a more leisurely schedule. Again, like I said, he has survived two very serious bouts with cancer. If he wants to go to the leisurely schedule where he pops up here and there on some major pay-per-views or some very key storylines, I think that's the perfect way to transition him to a more legacy-style performer. For example, Goldberg, Undertaker, Brock Lesnar, guys like that that don't have to show up every single week on your TV but still make pretty big draws for a crowd, I think now's the perfect opportunity. For those of you holding out hope that you were going to get a Roman Reigns versus The Rock pay-per-view, it's not happening. I don't think, I don't see The Rock coming back at this stage, and I don't see Roman ever being in a position to where that's going to be the big draw. And it's absolutely the worst time to do it for this WrestleMania. He's currently holding both championship belts, which means the title would have to be involved for their feud. It makes no sense to put the titles on Rock because, again, he's not a full-time performer. It doesn't make sense to keep the titles on Roman at this stage because he's looking to take a break. Now's the time. Drop him to Cody. Split the belts back to two separate individual belts. He will keep the WWE Championship because that's the one his father always wanted to hold but never could. It makes sense storyline-wise, gives an opportunity to redesign the belts to get away from the big boring W and get into something a little more exciting. So I know uh, we usually try not to keep these too long of an episode, but I do want to talk a little anime at the end here. One of the, one of the big things that I'm very excited about is, is MHA, My Hero, is finally actually going to do a seventh season. They were talking about not doing one. Um, I was a little nervous. The sixth season ended on, on a pretty wild note, in my opinion. There's a lot a lot of emotion in the last few episodes. If you haven't seen it, I'm not going to ruin anything. What was super nice to see is is the Deku Vigilante was longer than the one episode I had mentioned prior in a, in a previous episode. I thought it was only going to be like one episode of him. Um, it was a little bit more than that. I mean, it wasn't a lot more than that. Um, they definitely could have incorporated a bit more into the show i think and, and we could have seen uh, an extra fight or two um they kind of limited that but uh it, it was good like the ending was good they developed more characters it's a lot more character growth like anime loves to do um they like to give everybody a backstory everybody has to be important so that was nice to see and the way that, the best way to end it with this with being saved by america with the hero flying over on a stealth bomber. Sorry, I might ruin that for people, but I got to. I mean, it looked like a stealth bomber to me. I could be wrong, which is bad because I'm prior service. Um, but yeah, that's what it looked like. And it, it was pretty pretty funny to see that the way it ended. So, so Travis. 
don't don't feel bad about not being able to identify a stealth bomber. You weren't good at your actual MOS either, so it's really not that big a deal. Ooh, <laughs> throwing shade. <laughs> but kind of true. <laughs> kind of true. Um, and then the, the other piece of exciting news, I mean, it's been out for a little while now, um, but everybody's trying to get more info on it, is for whatever awkward reason, Naruto is going to go back. The original, like, Naruto, and they're going to put out four episodes. Um, I find that to be a little interesting because they've well passed that now. Like you, no matter what they do in those four episodes, you kind of, you kind of know the future, not just like one year into the future. You, you like legitimately know like their whole career path. So these, they must have an amazing idea for these episodes to make them because personally I like Naruto. I've always thought it was an, it was an, above average series it's probably in my top like 15 anime maybe top 10 to go all the way back to do those four i'm gonna be i'm gonna be interested to see what they do i just can't see it having it's not gonna have any impact on the story because you're already to where he has kids and yeah, all these other things so you're already at boruto as long as they put rock lee in it i'll be a happy camper he's by far my favorite character from that series him and mike guy both are just the absolute best. So definitely exciting. I do love I do love new anime. I am a Naruto fan. That shows it, one of the first anime that I actually watched start to finish every single episode to include filler. I didn't even skip filler episodes on Naruto. So that's impressive. Yeah, man. I watched it's, it all. The, watched is... all of it in Japanese too. I watched it all in Japanese with subtitles. So. It wasn't one of those no, ones that I would put on in the background and then do something else because it was in English. I actually watched that, watched it in Japanese the whole way through. Yeah, no, Naruto's been huge. And one of the things with Baruto, I think the reason they're doing the original four for Naruto is because that hasn't done as well um, as previous stuff. So they're ending the first part of it. I think it's coming up soon. Um, it's had and they're going to start the second part. So it's had its I, They probably want to break. There's there's definitely some there's definitely some good qualities for Baruto. I'm not just gonna sit here and say oh it's like trash or anything. Has it been my favorite anime? No, it's been okay. I enjoy watching it occasionally. I do have to take it in kind of waves. It's funny because I don't know about either of you, but when I watch a TV show, a movie, or something like that, um, I kind of always want to know what happens to the main character through their whole life and naruto's actually doing that for us and i actually have lost interest as it has gotten to the baruto phase so it's 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 uh, it's uh, interesting and awkward i don't know how to say it like i'm losing words here but like just because i've always wanted that to happen with other anime or other shows and things i want like when you get to the end of it you're pumped and you're like man i wonder what they do next and i wonder how this carries on and like what about 20 years in the future and like Naruto's like, oh, we got you. We're gonna give you everything. We're they're probably gonna go grandkids next. So, and it's just it's not living up to what I thought it would. You know, like I said, Borto was okay. I wasn't, you know, by any means mad about that series at all. I've enjoyed it. I just kind of have to take it in little bits and pieces. It's not one of those ones that I just binge watch from start to finish as soon as I get into it. You know, Trigun being one of those ones i started the original series of trigon and i watched every single episode to the point where i was calling in sick to work just so i could keep watching like that show drug me in kicking and screaming so 
we'll see where it goes. I'm going to watch them. I'm, like I said, Naruto fan, so. No, for sure. I'll, it, it'll get a play. Uh, beyond that, I don't know if I'm going to try to do it the first day, but it, it'll, it'll, it'll at least some point be on my TV. Absolutely. I have to backtrack a little bit because I forgot to do something at the start of this video, like I said I would, and that's announce our hero of the week. Woo, hero time. Which is our last one was to like, share, and follow our Facebook page. We had one person who followed instructions, and I know for a fact that she is big on following directions from start to finish. And that is Dr. Elena Mart Gardner is my wife. She will be the hero this week. She followed all instructions as put out on both our, uh, as put out on our Facebook page. So she'll get, it was put out on Twitter too. We put it on Twitter. That's true. Um, So yeah, she's the one that followed the instructions as directed and so we'll be putting her name in for a drawing, which will be happening, I believe, not next week, but the week after. No, no it's going to be next month. We're going to get next like, month. Okay. Yeah, we're going to have a, a, a decent number of names. Yeah, um, for the drawing. And then once we get that, yeah, so that so that way we have a bit of a buildup, and, and it's uh, we give some people a chance to get in on it. So there'll be another one that gets put out. Um, probably before this release is actually, we'll, again, we'll probably put out another way to do it. Uh, maybe we'll make this one a little bit easier, a little bit. I don't we'll, know. We'll figure something out. We'll figure. We'll figure it out. We're we're doing this all on the fly anyway. <laughs> right. But no, I think it's right. And so, congratulations to Doctor Elena Gardner. Absolutely. To uh, for being the only one that followed through. And for those of you that are listening, please be on the lookout. Follow us on Twitter and on Facebook and all the social media platforms. We will have another chance for you to earn your own spot to be a hero of the week on Crossing the Nerdverse. And with that, Eric, hit us with all them links. All right, so we got at CTN underscore podcast. We got at H Nerdverse. That's our Twitter stuff. We're a lot more active on there. We've also noticed an uptick in in everyone else's activity on there, so that's nice. Um, Our Facebook group, we've been doing a little bit more with them um, than Twitter, so we're trying to start balancing it out a little bit more. Um, It's just Heroes of the Nerdverse for our Facebook group. our last live video was on there. We might look to do it on Twitter this time, kind of break it out and see if we can get more people. Um, CrossingTheNerdverse.com. That's our only working website at the moment. I'm still having a, a couple hiccups. I don't like my design I've done with Heroes yet. So when I put the main website back out, I really want to have a solid idea and concept. Um, so that way it flows and it works well with our other website. But Crossing the Nerdverse has all the stuff you need. Um, it, it's got the most current episodes. It's got links to our YouTube stuff. And it also has links to different places to hear the podcast. Um, and the most important thing being, it's got a nice button with letters on it that says merch shop. So that is also on there. And we're going to continue to expand that website as well as we continue to, to grow and stuff like that. So um, it's just, we're going to release content as we grow and as you all continue to enjoy and um, consume the the stuff that we put out so the the more we grow and everything like that the more the websites and stuff will grow i'm trying to think i think i hit all of our stuff at the moment that we have it's out um, we'll continue to get more i'm also we build a kick thing now too um i don't know if any of us will look at streaming on there but the, there is going to be 
we do have something on there. Um, so maybe you'll see myself on there kind of streaming some gameplay just to try it out. Something new, something different than uh, Twitch itself. And with that, we are crossing the Nerdverse, bringing you along for another Notables in the Nerdverse. Find us wherever you get your podcasts from. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all of it. So we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us. See you guys.